The following production is part of the We Be Geeks podcast collective. I felt a great disturbance in the force, as if millions of voices suddenly cried out in terror and were suddenly silenced. to the New England Society of Geeks podcast. I am your host, Eric, and this, my friends, is going to be another edition of the, the Star, Star Wars, Wars Chronological, Chronological Rewatch Experiment. Experiment. And that means, of course, that I have assembled my own very special Jedi Council to talk about, oh, this time we're going to be talking about Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. The best of the prequels. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know if... You could say that. <laughs> and so, of course, that means I have assembled from the monthly comics cast on this very podcast, the cosmic comic guru himself, Dario. Hey, everybody. And my two co-hosts from the Wookiee Radio podcast that you can find on the Weeby Geeks podcast collective, uh, Mike and Ken. Gentlemen, how are you? Doing good. Why are you going to swear at us like that? You're going <laughs> to call us names? <laughs> oh, You wanted us on the show, now you're going to call us names. You just wait. <laughs> All right, so as I said, we are talking about Attack of the Clones. Yeah. So, uh, as always, let's get started with our good, our bad, and our nitpickies. And uh, we like to end with the good, so we're going to start with a nitpicky. So, Dario, why don't you give us a nitpicky? My nitpicky is the complete, like, joke scene Oh, C-3PO on the, uh, with the robot head. That's basically yeah. it. It's okay. It's fine. I get it. I just, it didn't need to be there for me. <laughs> I think what you could say in general, the, um, the one-liner in the, the comedy stuff that George put into this movie was almost forced. Yes, Whereas in the original yeah. couple of movies, it was stuff that felt like it was supposed to be there. A lot of the one-liners, a lot of stuff like that st- felt like stuff that, didn't really belong because it was like something super serious. And then they'd throw this total slapstick, something in there. Mm, yeah, and then you yeah. make something totally serious again. Right. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, I think that was one of the issues with the prequels. It's like, the other ones weren't as bad. Episode one and episode three aren't, aren't as bad with this. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. Episode two, for some reason, I don't, I don't know if it's cause George is worried about, you know, too much, action and he wanted to throw in some comedy or what i don't know but or maybe i think he was like he was like remember this is a kid's show too <laughs> yeah. so. i know um the whole droid factory sequence um with padme and anakin um and the two droids uh, on the conveyor belts and stuff mm. was added in after in pickup shots yeah originally oh, really? none of that was in there hmm. and uh, they just felt like there was a spot in the middle there that needed something and mm. that's what they came up with the whole sequence and that's why you ended up with all the R2 or all the 3PO stuff at the end. I'm, I'm wondering if maybe George said, oh, we don't have Jar Jar as much in this one, so we need to pick up the slack somewhere. But hey, it's either Black Series or Vintage Collection. They just announced, I think it's Black Series. They just announced. Oh, yeah. They are doing mm-hmm. uh, C3PO. 
3PO's head on a battle, battle droid. droid yep. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah, I saw that on a text too. <laughs> so, so there you go, Dario. We know what to get you for Christmas. <laughs> It'll be Christmas of 2025. Yeah, right, when it yeah. finally comes out. You have to wait a while. Thanks, but... Hasbro. <laughs> Don't worry, it's already sold out. Um, that reminds... it just announced it. It's already sold out. That reminds me really quickly. Have you guys seen? I didn't read the article, but I saw a headline that said Hasbro and McFarlane Toys have signed a deal together. Really? Yeah. I have not seen that. That's yeah. interesting because yeah. McFarlane Toys is bec- rapidly becoming a major competitor for Hasbro. I know. I, I did. The, the last big Hasbro story I saw was Hasbro is laying off 1,000 yeah, to 1,100 yeah. people. Maybe that has something to do with the McFarlane thing. <laughs> Maybe. Well, Hasbro's, Hasbro's back down to the same levels of employment they had before the pandemic. They, they, they increased their employee levels like a ton during the pandemic. And now they're back down to where they were before, more or less. Mm. Um, I, I, as I said, I didn't see any of the details, so I don't know what capacity they're teaming up, but there's something going on. I'm a little yeah. worried about that. McFarlane Toys is good, but I think the Star Wars line for Hasbro has a vision, and McFarlane is all, his guys are super heroic and i don't want to see another jacked luke skywalker <laughs> or, or a jacked princess leia <laughs> yeah <laughs> why is c3po so buff <laughs> <laughs> good question yeah so we'll see we'll see hey looky there r2d2 steroids <laughs> <laughs> although i do like the idea of mcfarland doing some marvel stuff so yeah i i wouldn't mind seeing him uh tackling the marvel stuff or yeah. even potentially tackling the gi joe stuff oh, well, not all that not all of his stuff has to be super buff because if you look at the um true these multiverse line not all i mean the the ones that are supposed to be buff are huge but the ones that are supposed to be slimmer and stuff will look pretty accurate no yeah. his 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 six inch seven inch line has been dead on i mean his it stuff helps, is great it helps that he cut his teeth on his own characters yeah yes <laughs> he started making spawn figures and then went from there mm. um i mean i wouldn't mind seeing him tackle you know especially with what he's done with the horror stuff uh see him tackling the ghostbusters line as well mm-hmm. Ooh, that could be interesting yeah i forget half the stuff that hasbro has licenses to Mm, I know, right? <laughs> As um, one of my favorite YouTube channels says, Hasbro, till all are one. <laughs> <laughs> I still haven't forgiven them for gutting Wizards of the Coast. Oh, yeah. What was it, seven or eight years ago when um, they went through and said, okay, if it's not magic cards and it's not Dungeons and Dragons paper and pencil, it's gone. All of it. They cut the whole thing. Mm. That's why Heroescape came and went. They were like, we're bringing back Heroescape. That was when it killed Heroescape. Yeah, that's what killed Heroescape finally. Because Heroescape was amazing. Did you see what they tried to do when they brought... Did you look at the campaign that they did to try to bring back Heroescape? Nothing was painted. It was solid colored figures. It was like like $200 or something for the base. It was basically the original base set you got back in the day with fully painted figures for 50 bucks. Yeah. Mm. It was the same thing, just um, they did it modern and they were doing it in just solid colored plastic. All right, steering us back to Star Wars. <laughs> Ken, what do you have for a nitpicky for this movie? Um, Actually, the humor was going to be mine, but um, <laughs> I know I, I have definitely a bad, but. Um, oh, wow. 
something else. Wait a minute. I don't remember off the top of my head what it was. See, I should have wrote it down when I watched the show. <laughs> I have one more of the nitpicky thing I told Derek before we started the thing. Um, Go ahead. Agree with anyway. The fact that uh, Anakin basically stole C three PO back. He goes to he goes to Tatooine and they're oh, like, yeah. "Hey, C three PO!" And then all of a sudden, he's just there. So he he just stole him. He took him back. All right. <laughs> Who knows what he was doing for Lars? He was probably like running the whole farm. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, let's move on. Uh, Ken, if it pops in your head, let us know. But yeah. in the meantime, let's ahead, move Mike. on to Mike. What do you got? My nitpicky is the fact that Attack of the Clones is considered is such an underrated movie out of the prequels. That's my nitpicky. Is not the movie itself, but the reception of the movie outside. I don't know. I, I received it. I think it should be. For me, it's still one of the 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 bottom of the barrel when it comes to Star Wars movies. For me personally. I thought so too, but when I was rewatching it, like the whole first half of the movie, I was like, you know what? The first half of this movie is really good. I was like, it's I, I like the opening scene on Coruscant. I like all that stuff, mm-hmm. all the way up to when he meets Dex in the diner, and I'm like, that's where that's going sideways a little bit. <laughs> Actually, I like Dex, but <laughs> Dex, Dex was Dex was awesome. Dex is awesome, but the CG is dated. I think. Mm. Yeah, but. Let's think about it, though. This was what two thousand one, right? Well, two thousand one, the CG. I mean, I we would complain about it more now right. because look, it was at, great then. It was a top notch. Then it was it was top notch. Yeah. Well, if I remember right, this movie was the um, first movie to use actually fully realized CG characters with nothing else there. I believe you're correct. Because in the um, Phantom Menace, yeah, Jar Jar was CG, and a lot of the Gungans and stuff were CG, but there was someone there that they replaced. This, there was, at, like, especially, um, and then the sets and everything also. Um, especially if you go back and watch that, like I said, that droid factory scene, and you watch the way they actually filmed that, there was absolutely nothing there. There was blue walls and a blue treadmill. Mm. That's all they had to work with. Yeah. I think the problem, too, nowadays is, like, we still see some bad CGI. Um, if they try to rush it or, you know, cheapen, go cheap with it. So we're trying to put it, make it a TV show with it. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> this, this wasn't, this was like you guys said, the top of the line at the time for CGI. And even though it doesn't, maybe doesn't hold up as well now, it's still the stuff we have now. If it's cheap, it's because it's cheap. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. well, I think the majority of the movie, the CG is really good. It's just, there are some parts like when, they're on that last planet where they have the big fight with the clones and the, and the droids and all that. There's just some scenes where I'm like, oh, Geonosis. Of a green screen. Mm-hmm. It's, <laughs> almost, <laughs> it's almost what it is when they get close up on it. Yeah. The yeah. Long, when, when, long battles and stuff where they added, there's about 10 Jedi there, but it looks like there's 5 million people in the stadium. Those look awesome. Mm. Yeah. But majority of this film was green screen. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember that from uh, Star Wars Insider magazine. Yeah, they yeah. slowly made it because episode one was about 50% green screen, probably. Episode yeah. two was about 75 to 80%. And episode three went 100% green screen, except for the final Tatooine shot. Because yeah. when he was in um, Tunisia filming episode two, and he had Lars and Brew there, he he, did, he said, you know what? We're already here. It's going to take 30 seconds to um, film this scene for episode three. Yeah. So the handing off of Luke to the um, Owen and Brew... Um, was filmed during episode two. But other than that, everything else in episode three was g- done on uh, green screen. Mm. Yep. All right. Uh, is that all you got, Mike, for 
nitpicky. That's all I got for my nitpicky, yeah. Okay. And, and, and it's my opinion, because to, like I said, yeah. to me, this is, and we've had this argument before, not argument, conversation before. Hmm. It's not really an argument. It's, it's, it's been respectful the whole time, every yeah. time we do it. This is my favorite of the prequels. Cool. And we'll get into it more as we move on. All right. I still can't understand that, but okay. Can <laughs> no. uh, I? You, you still can't think of yours, or? No, I th- I, we got some gr- pretty good ones there. All right. So here's my nitpicky that I, there's a few I could have picked, but this is the one I'm going to choose. Um, let me set the scene. All right. So uh, Padme arrives on Coruscant in her silver ship there, which I love. I love the chrome ships of her. Um, and then the ship gets attacked and gets blowed up. And you find out that the Padme that got off that ship was a decoy. And the Padme runs up to the decoy. And the decoy says, oh, I'm sorry, I failed you, my queen. Or some something like that. And my nitpicky is, no. That is, you did exactly what you were supposed to do. That is what your job is, to be a decoy. Yeah. So if Padme gets attacked, you're the one who takes the hit. That's exactly what happened. You didn't fail. You did your job exactly as you're supposed to. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> Padme's instructions were get to the bottom of the ramp. And she didn't get to the bottom of the ramp. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, she did. I mean, she didn't walk to the bottom of the ramp, but she made she it past the bottom there. of the ramp. <laughs> With a little help. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so that always kills me when I watch the movie. I'm like, I failed you. I'm like, no, you didn't. You did what you were supposed to do. <laughs> Just, Headman looks at, hey, where's Sabe? Uh, she's right there. And there, there, and there. Ah, <laughs> uh, but that wasn't Sabe. Yeah, that was Sabe. Because Sabe actually appears in the comics. Yeah. During oh, the story yeah, arcs yeah. between Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. yeah. No, she says what the um what, the name when she walks over to her. I don't remember what her name was though. Actually, Nobby uh, or no. <laughs> we're 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 in the time we're in the timeline now between Empire and Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi in the comics. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. All right. So there's our nitpicky. Some good ones there. Um. And an interesting one from somebody I won't mention. Um. <laughs> Dario, come on, man. Now we're going to move on to our bad. So, Dario, what do you have for bad? Uh, the bad for me really was the the CG at the end scene. Like, it, it, it specifically is just one scene. There's a scene where where uh, Padme jumps out of the the, the, the ship and rolls down the the dune, and I'm just looking at that going. That is so clearly CG. This whole this whole <laughs> yeah. scene is just him standing on a CG thing, and I was like, yeah. I mean, it's it realistically that's kind of a nitpicky thing, but I thought, yeah, I was just, good enough. I, I didn't work. like that part. All right, now this is going to be interesting. Ken, what do you have for bad? I think you're going to jump on board with me that this was probably the worst written and executed love story I have ever seen in my life anywhere. Agreed. Oh, no. 100% no. agreed. And worst part, oh, actually, there's my nitpicky. If you take Anakin from the end of this movie and then you start the Clone Wars animated series, which is what, maybe a year after this, mm-hmm. Anakin is about 20 years older in maturity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. It's like, wait, I, how can Anakin at the end of this movie actually be ready for a Padawan <laughs> when they start the animated series? I know, right? Uh, but no, the it's just some of the worst. Um, the, the I mean, no, I know part of it is the way it was directed, but 
the dialogue, all oh. of it just, it just doesn't work. Oh, and it, it was obvious that the, um, that Hayden and Natalie didn't have really any chemistry at all. Right. Yeah. And it's just, and George can't write love stories. Nope. I'm I've not seen one yet that he wrote the, all of it with no help that actually worked. <laughs> I know. Cause if you remember the haunted Leia stuff, George didn't write that. Oh, or he didn't, right. yeah. he had the general idea, but had someone else punch it up to make it work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, George is a phenomenal director. I love him. He's a great storyteller. He's a great. Oh my God. Guy. Sorry. My cat has a nasty habit of attacking my TV, and I thought I was going to knock it over. <laughs> but no, it's just it's a ghost. Wow, it it, it feels yeah, forced. It, it, it oh. is whining it's the whole painful. time. Painful. Yes. Yeah. No, actually, that was going to be my bad as well, Ken. So I yeah, completely. That's what I think. Because we've discussed this before, and yep. it's like <laughs> it, it, that. Really, the rest of this movie, I thought, is awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This you cut not- all of the Anakin and Padme stuff out of it. This is a fantastic movie. Mm. I mean, I can forgive all the CG and all that stuff. I like the story, um, but it's just the um, Anakin Pat and um, Natalie does. I think if you watch it, Natalie tries to do what she can with it because you can tell she's trying to make this work. Mm. It's just Hayden just didn't get it, or George didn't give him what he needed, or something. Mm. It really, it really grinds everything to a halt, too. Yeah, it's just like oh. <laughs> and then- See, and this is where I disagree. I feel even rewatching it today, I still feel yes, I can I can see y'all's point where there's too much love story, but I think there's a better balance of it in this film than there is in Revenge of the Sith. Well that see that's the thing. We're not saying that there's too much love story. Yeah. We're saying that what is there the is badly done. The execution of it is terrible in this movie. Um, I, th- I think it's I think it's better in this movie than it is in Revenge of the Sith. I don't know. I got to rewatch Revenge of the Sith in three years when we get to it. <laughs> <laughs> or hey, it'll be on FX later this month. Yeah, I know, part of their twelve day marathon. Woo-hoo. But um, no, that is just I don't know. Like I said, and um, it's weird because like I said, Natalie Portman seems like she's trying to do what she can with it, and she seems. Well, she's always, as Padme, even when she was like 14 in the original movie, she seemed way more mature than what she should be for her. Yeah, yeah I know, right? <laughs> Anakin, I mean, as a kid, he was about right, but Anakin in this movie feels like he's still like 12. Mm-hmm. He's giving, throwing temper tantrums. He's doing all, it's like he's been <laughs> a Jedi for 10 years, oh. but he's still acting like he's 10 or 11 years old. He's and then they, they make him a general in the Clone Wars. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they make anybody a general in the Clone Wars. They make, they, if you're they a Jedi, make, uh, you're a general. <laughs> Ahsoka's a general. I know. Yeah, Actually, I know. no. She's a commander because she's a Padawan. Padawans yeah, are commanders. commanders. Um, yeah. So, I think, it, it, in general, I think what it is is not... Um, and some of it may be Hayden, but I think a lot of it was just George's direction. George was not a great love story director and um, not a director... Well, they've said that since the beginning. George is not an actor's director. Mm-hmm. No, you got to figure out what you go, what he wants. Cause he's not going to tell you what he wants. I mean, he's a great visionary. Yeah. 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 He's a great storyteller. He's a great, he's a pretty good writer even. I mean, he, the he Jones, needs, he yeah. needs help getting the story treatments. Yeah. Yeah. Translated right. to script. He needs somebody mm-hmm. to go in there and help and, and properly. Um, yeah. Edit, and, and I think for, for our generation, 
that reflects on why we feel the prequels are weak. I agree. Of with the six that. films. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, well, we've talked about it on Wookiee Radio. I think we may have mentioned it here before that um I think the the um problem he had somewhat with the prequels in general, when he made the original trilogy, he was um bouncing the scripts off of his buddies and his buddies were Francis Ford Coppola, Steven Spielberg, mm, all right. of these um legendary creators. And right. he bounced the scripts and getting ideas off of them. When he gets to the prequels, he is now George Lucas. He wasn't George Lucas before. Mm-hmm. Right. Now he's George Lucas and no one everybody's afraid to tell him no. But <laughs> also or, too, hey, let's tweak this. <laughs> in the original trilogy, Star Wars, he wrote the script. Yeah. But he didn't the final didn't, shooting script wasn't just him though. Right. But he did not write the he just provided the treatments and the outlines for Empire and Jedi. Someone else wrote the scripts. Right. Yeah, but he still had full control over changing whatever he wanted. But no, right. but this is the people who wrote the scripts added the dialogue and stuff. But this, the prequels, was all him. He didn't yeah, go to the outside. He and we in- also mentioned it too. He was surrounded by people who did not tell him no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rick McCall was hired to put whatever he wanted on screen. Right. Well, make his vision, whatever it is, and put it on the screen. Whether it's and, and I, I honestly feel flee or <laughs> I, I honestly feel that if he was probably I don't think he was trying to purposely surround himself by yes men, but I, I wonder just no. how much how happy he was having so much yes men. Well, I think what it was by the time you get to this point in Lucasfilm, the people that he's hiring are people who grew up watching Star Wars. Yeah, and I, don't, they, I think they, maybe they could get hired by uh, Lucasfilm to work with George. I don't think he realized that he was surrounded by yes men. I don't think he was either. Um, so yeah, he might not have. He might not have been. Um, his eyes might have been closed to that. So very, very well could be. Yeah. All right. So this is going to be interesting. So <laughs> since this is your favorite of the prequels, Mike, and uh, and uh, you love it so much, <laughs> what do you have for bad? Yoda. Yoda. <laughs> Yoda actually, I thought looked really good in this. No. Way be- oh, Yoda looked no. re- better than the original Yoda from Episode One. Yoda in so Episode too, One yeah. was a puppet. I know. It was, and I, I have always enjoyed that fact of Yoda being a puppet. Well, Yoda yes, he was more more of an advanced puppet than the original trilogy. I was not keen on him being total CGI in this film. This is one of those that I thought it was a mistake to to go full CGI with Yoda in this film. Now I understand the final sequence against Dooku. Yeah, that's got to be CGI. Come on, I, you I was okay see a with puppet. <laughs> I was okay with that, despite the fact that it's like here's a guy who we've seen walking around with a cane, and all of a sudden he's Nadia Comaneci or <laughs> Simone Biles for for you younger folks. Um. Because I just aged myself big time by saying know, Nadia yeah. come with nature. Yeah. Simone Biles. I'm just say Mary Lou Retton while you're at it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kathy. Kathy Rigby. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I don't know. For some reason, it didn't bother me, the CGI Yoda. Yeah. The, well, there was there would be a little nitpicky for me on it was um, the close-ups on his speech. The Just the way he lived was never really was quite right. No, oh, there you go. Yeah. But. <laughs> The, the, but the, other the than that, were, I the, thought he was fine. The feet were done by Rob Liefeld. 
Oh, that's brutal. <laughs> uh, I remember they actually went back and replaced um, the puppet Yoda with um, with CG on the in newer- Phantom Menace. Yeah, Phantom Menace. Mm. Yeah. All right. Interesting. Interesting. So um, that would bring me to my bad, but my bad is exactly the same as Ken's bad. So. Was half the movie. I got, yeah, exactly. I got nothing else that, other than that. Just really, that y'all just fun. don't know what you're talking. About. Like I said, that's what puts it on the bottom of the list for me. Was that yeah. that love story? It just was painfully done. It was just oh. See, Phantom Menace is, is at the bottom of the list. Phantom Menace is, is 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 a movie that's got some good parts and some bad parts, like this does too to me. Now, I mean, you guys don't think that the whole for this particular movie, the, the I was just thinking about it. The the Master Siphodizius story is like so confusing. It's like this, they mentioned this guy goes to have the clones made, and it, I will say yes, it was confusing for a bit. But until recently, when they did uh, the audiobook Dooku Jedi Lost, that I think gave enough background to go, oh. Okay. Oh yeah, no, I'm not saying that now. And then, and, then, and then we see part of it too, with only a Jedi could have erased the archives, and we see that happen in Tales of the Jedi. Right. Um, Which is all well and good, but we're talking 20 years. Between. Yeah, 20 years ago. Yeah, it was oh, a little yeah. confusing. It was very confusing. Yeah. When yeah. I saw that, I was confused, but um, I also at that point was reading all the books and everything else. So it was one of those as I watched the movies, like, wow, that's a little confusing. But you know what? They'll put it in a book somewhere, and I'll be able to see the story. Mm. Problem is, the audience isn't going to pick that up usually. For, right. for me, it was conf- Tyrannus and Dooku. The names were bouncing around all the time. Oh so, yeah, I, yeah. Well, for me too. I mean, it was confusing until Dooku gives his speech to Anakin about, "Oh, Gligon would have joined me," or not to Anakin to Obi Wan. Gligon would have joined me. Look at the you know, and basically it's going foreshadowing the original trilogy of here, here, here's the future. Mm-hmm. It's like, whoa, okay. Dooku's the one who acted as Sifo-Dyas to get the clone army and telling the comedians is for the Republic, but he wants it for his Republic. And then you realize, not but the, not you the for all story though. No, he did. He had that made for Sidious. So that he could actually get this Clone War going. Yeah. Palpatine had the whole thing from the beginning anyway. Yeah. This was his plan was, hey, I'm going to get this side. They're going to. Well, I'm going to save that part for later. But (laughs) see, I used to think back then that uh, Sifo-Dyas was just a fake alias that one of the other guys, more like Darth Tyrannus or Darth Sidious was using. Mm -hmm. And that's how I explained it to myself. Myself. In my head yeah, back but then. Remember, um, Obi-Wan knows who uh, knew who Sifo-Dyas was. Right, right. I didn't say it was a well, perfect explanation. I just said that's how I <laughs> that's how I got myself through it. <laughs> but I love how um, Obi-Wan bluffs his way all the way through that whole thing. Mm. Yeah. yeah. No idea oh, yeah. what's going on until and he's sitting there bluffing his way. They think he's there to check the army. He's like, he has no idea what they're talking about. And he's just, <laughs> okay, just nod and go along with it and see how far I can go. Yeah. Yeah. 
Like, that's exactly why I'm here. I'm here to check the clone. That's right. I'm glad you know, so I don't have to explain it to you. <laughs> wait, oh, you there, need another payment? There's an army? We'll do that later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, wait, there's an army? Uh, yes, that's why I'm here. <laughs> right, yes, yes. All right, so, um, so that'll do it for our bad. So let's get on to the good stuff. All right, Dario, what do you got for good? Um, I, I, I already mentioned it. I think the whole opening sequence I loved. I thought it was really good. Yeah, yeah. all the stuff of Coruscant. Like once they, that was good. Once they um, start going after the the bounty hunters and all that, and they go down into the into the the nightclub and the guy with the death sticks. Oh, yeah, I just yeah. love all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That scene had like so many cameos. It's not even funny. Mm. Yeah, I'm still trying to find the DeLorean in that scene. Is it DeLorean in it? The, I the believe time machine. The time machine is in that scene. I don't think I've ever seen it. ILM plays with a lot of that type of stuff. There's mm-hmm. um, like, what is it? Um, is it Star Trek First Contact that the Millennium Falcon's in? Uh, I believe it's in the Borg cube. There's a Millennium Falcon in the background. <laughs> I don't remember. I know in the J.J. Abrams, R2 when they come out of uh, warp into the debris field, there's an R2D2 that flies by. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but um, especially any any movies that ILM does, they slip little Easter eggs like that in the backgrounds of a lot of scenes. Yeah, yeah uh, like when you go back to it, Raiders of the Lost Ark and there's C three PO and R two D two etched into the wall. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, is it Revenge of the Sith when they come to the spaceport after the rescue? We see right. a we we see what appears to be the Falcon. Yep. Yeah. Landing. Yep. Was it landing or taking off? Landing. Mm. Either way. Yeah, either way. Yeah, I guess it doesn't matter. Actually, at this point, now that we've seen Solo, it wasn't the Falcon. It was just another YT-1300 missing its um, front shuttle pod. Yeah. I uh, remember the shuttle pod was added by Lando. Yeah, but would Lando have had it back then? No, Lando was too young. I don't know. It's still too young. It don't matter. When Lando got the ship is when he added that front section. Mm. Yeah. Because I See, just watched Solo recently, and that that is something that has connected for me though I, it's another one that i would look at and say you know what there's more than one yt 1300 in the galaxy oh yeah yeah so very much oh, so. yeah of course yeah there would have to be <laughs> just like with the corralian corvettes mm-hmm. yeah um all right nice so ken what's your good uh the other half of the movie <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> the rest of the story <laughs> this i like i said this one would rank way up higher if it wasn't for that other for the um, love story stuff. But all of the um, I loved Obi Wan playing detective. Yes, yeah, that was yeah. I was that was kind of fun. I enjoyed that. Once once Obi Wan ditches Anakin, the rest of his story is awesome. Yeah, because even the stuff where he's um, where he's being mastered Anakin and t- and um, and just Anakin and Obi Wan's play back and forth at the beginning of the movie before they meet. It, to Padme, then even after that, gets a little annoying a little bit. <laughs> Speeder chase was kind of cool. That banner felt a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. But, but then, yeah, once I said, once they get past that and he starts getting into detective mode, that's it's cool because we've really not seen a detective story in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I found it very interesting. The detective part that was that was that was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. That's the next um, Disney Plus um, series that they got to come up with is like a hard-boiled detective noir Star Wars story. Oh, that would be so cool. He'd be like that. a PI in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. It would definitely have to take place on Coruscant. Yeah. Yeah. 
We have a show fun. called Coruscant Nights. Yes. Oh, I love it. I, <laughs> I think there's it. a lot they could do with Coruscant. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not We're a desert. over like Coruscant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was um, one thing I really enjoyed is that we actually got to see Coruscant finally in this movie. Yeah. That was awesome. All right, nice. All right, Mike. Well, what's oh, wait, we, we, saw, we saw Coruscant in the Phantom Menace, too. Yeah, yeah, but they spent a lot of time. Stuff. Well, yeah, but it, not, you know, yeah. it was almost balanced. Mm-hmm. There, 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 there was almost equal amount of screen time. I felt, yeah, I, well, I, I watched a couple. I watched a couple documentaries today. They were on uh, that's on Disney Plus for this. And uh, Doug Chang and those guys were saying how um, this movie was the first time you really get to get into what is Coruscant. Yeah, I think that's yeah. what it was. You got that, that I would agree with. You got yeah. to see the Jedi yeah. Temple, and that's about it. Right. This you got to see the industrial district. You got to see the um, the nightclub district. You got to see all these other areas that you um, had never been opened up before. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Mike. So since you're such a fan of the movie, what what's your good? Uh, I definitely loved the um, the think? arena scene. Oh yeah. With with not not the scene with the with everyone Obi Wan Padme and. Anakin chained up and that, but when the Jedi show up yeah. and the, the battle droids all come in that well, from, from that point on, you know, from the, from the rescue quote unquote rescue or reinforcement scene on in the arena, I really enjoyed, uh, other parts I really enjoyed. Um, I, I did enjoy the chase sequence on Coruscant when they're chasing Zam. Mm-hmm. And, and oh, this is a shortcut, I think. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I wronged yep. you, Master. Wait, hold on. I yeah, love when he jumps off. That. Yeah, he falls on the other ship. I mean, a lot of that. I'm like, okay, yeah, this is the Anakin. Um, I, I think we definitely with this see a lot of. It's I, I can't, the only the only comparison I could give it is like with a dog or a cat. You know, when they're a kitten or a puppy, that first couple years when you see him go through the the mental growth spurts <laughs> that I, that's what we see in this film with anakin there's a lot oh he all of a sudden sees padme for i i know the jedi order says this but screw it <laughs> i want padme and then the whole th- nightmares where he's foreshadowing his mom it's like okay i i I also loved how they they tied in a little Oedipus complex with this as well. Of he loves his mom so much that he's willing to drop everything to go there. <clears throat> so I mean, it, I I know I said Oedipus complex, maybe not to the extreme of what the complex <laughs> truly is. No, yeah, but I mean, he definitely is a mama's boy, and oh, that's for sure. And, and Padme becomes that replacement mama because that's who his mom was once he left Tatooine. I really like that whole scene on Tatooine, even with, even the, you know when he goes and rescues his mom and kills all the, the the sand people. But there's a scene, and I'm probably reading too much into it, but there's a scene where Padme comes up to kind of like talk to him. I think it was before. I don't know if it's before he takes off to go save his mom or right after he comes back. Are you talking but about when they cut to the shot? You're not reading too much into that at all. That was planned. Okay. Because, right. because they care. Because it's just like with Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. You look at the movie poster. Here's mm-hmm. Jake Lloyd looking down, and the way the shadow casts up on the building is Vader. Mm-hmm. Right. 
there's my nitpick. And now I remember now Dario reminded me of it. It was um, the Anakin taking the speeder bike across Tatooine looking for the Tuscans. And I have never seen Tatooine in those colors <laughs> before or after. Even all the Tatooine we've seen since then, they never have in those dark reds and stuff. It's like, wait, what are they doing? This is not Tatooine. <laughs> that's a good nitpick. But, but that's the rage of Anakin showing. Yeah. And how, and how his rage is affecting the force around him. Yeah. All right. On that note. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, for me, for the good, I'll say um, kind of kind of similar to Ken, like everything besides the love story was was good for me. I enjoyed, as you described, Mike, that whole arena scene when the Jedi came down and we're just that was an awesome scene. Um, even the, you know, when they were falling when they're following Dooku and and the Republic gunships was cool. I enjoyed the fight between Dooku and Yoda and just the detective stuff was great. And I just enjoyed seeing the thing I love the most about the prequels is seeing Palpatine's plan just coming together. Mm -hmm. I love it. It's just amazing. Even that, even the, the just seeing how the the clones were, were, you know, created in secret and everything. It was just, it was, I love it. That was a slow burn that was worth the slow burn. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was a slow burn that was done right. I was joking with a friend of mine at the store the other day that I I, I would love to see like Palpatine's planning room. He's just got yarn going everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> Why didn't you see that industrial district? There's nobody else there, so he's got warehouses full of whiteboards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just for me that's the fun part. And uh, knowing that's what one thing I like about the way they did the way George did the original trilogy and then went back and did the prequels. So, you know what it all ends up as you you've seen the Empire and you've seen the Emperor, you've seen Darth Vader. So when you go back and you see how all the pieces start coming together, it's just fascinating. Yeah. You see when Senator Palpatine walks on the screen, you're like, wait a minute. Mm hmm. I know where this is going to end up at. This is going to be great to see how he does this. Right. Yeah. Well, it's just like with Solo. We know Han gets the ship. We've heard about the game to get him there. Mm -hmm. But to see it actually play out and how it, oh, he actually played twice and almost got the ship the first time, but did get it the second time. Yeah. (laughs) Because he was able to catch on. Lando cheated the first time. Lando cheats every time. Yes, he does. The thing you know, is, all, you got to out cheat the cheat. Yeah. Out of all, out of all the Palpatine's like grand machinations that started like before Phantom Menace and go on afterwards, like the only thing in Star Wars lore that I think is something he wasn't prepared for, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, is that when he's in Rebels and he's in, he's discovering the world between worlds. I think that's like a thing where he's just like. That's not part of his master plan. It's just that, oh, this yeah. is the world between worlds yeah, that can take yeah. this. Right. I oh, think he knew it was there. He didn't know what he could, how he could use it. I, I think, too, with Attack of the Clones, and we eventually see it play out in the 2008 the Clone Wars, and then because we see him rectify it in Revenge of the Sith, I don't think he, he saw the full picture with how Dooku played into this initially that Dooku was not what he was hoping to be. 
Just Dooku never embraced the Sith completely, I the dark side completely. Yeah. And he still was kind of undermining Sidious and the Emperor at the same time. Mm. Yeah. Well, and, and not doing it to become the new Sith Lord. He was doing it because it was a full political move. No, I think um, Palpatine, um, his plan was once he found Anakin, he knew, uh, uh, d- depending on how you read into everything before, he may have known Anakin was already coming. I think his original plan was um, to train up Maul, keep Maul around as a hammer until he got to what he, Anakin, which is what he really wanted. But when Maul died way earlier than he expected, then he pivoted and brought in Dooku, knowing that he's only got a certain amount of time. Because as soon as Anakin's ready, he's taking Anakin and just going to kill Dooku anyway. Mm-hmm. I think Dooku was going to be expendable either way. It didn't matter to him. Right. But where Dooku became the threat is with Dooku being the head of the Separatists. If they And with all the different planets and systems leaving the Republic to join the Separatists are all getting fair representation in the Senate, the separatists were slowly growing enough in power where they could have done a vote of no confidence on Palpatine. And Dooku, in the political move, would have done so. Probably. Hmm. An interesting thought. Like I said, I think Palpatine already knew he was going to get rid of Dooku anyway. It didn't matter. If yeah. he got to that point, he would have taken care of Dooku instead of letting Anakin, and, um, Anakin do it. Hmm. I, 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 th- I think what we see at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith is the fact that Anakin had grown faster than expected and Dooku was moving faster than Palpatine expected. That plans just got moved up a lot sooner than Mm -hmm. than the initial plan, which is why I have no problems with the beginning sequence with Obi-Wan, Anakin, Dooku, and the Chancellor slash Emperor at that point. That was Played that was brilliantly done, and I, I really that, loved how that was. I thought done. that was done because remember, in the um, even back in Legends and stuff, the whole idea of the Sith was in order to be a Sith, you kill the guy ahead of you, right? right. And it killed Dooku and took his place, mm-hmm. right? But that's what Anakin's seeing. But Dooku was not after Palpatine to become the new Sith Lord. If anything, he was looking to become the new Chancellor or become the new. He was looking at it as a political move, not a not a dark yeah. side move. I don't it, think it was total political. That. I don't think Palpatine was ever worried about that because he knew. Remember, he knows both sides, everything that's going on. Right. Dooku did not do anything that surprised Palpatine. I think Palpatine knew going in exactly what Dooku would do. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll, as we're focusing in more on Clone Wars. Uh, when we touch on the Dooku mm. episodes, I, I will definitely have to pay attention more to that. Or even if he didn't know exactly what Dooku would do, he knew how Dooku would act. Yes, I, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. I don't know if he, I don't know if he ever thought Dooku would try and remove him from political office. Yeah, mm. Duke predictable. Yeah, right. I mean, as a Sith Lord, I would think, okay. This is a guy, I gotta watch my back, because this is a guy who's gonna kill me and become the new Sith Lord. That's not Dooku. Mm. Dooku would have, I'm gonna go for the vote of no confidence. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put myself out there as candidate for new Chancellor. If you watch this movie, though, uh, especially you brought up the conversation with Dooku and Obi-Wan earlier, Dooku would not have done that. Or no. No, Dooku would have done that. The deleted scene with Padme, where he's interrogating Padme, he talks about how you tear the whole thing down and restart. 
So that's not technically in right, canon, yeah. but I mean, that fits in with his character, though. Mm-hmm. He did yes, not yeah. want. He did not want to take over the Senate. He didn't want to take over the galaxy or the um the Republic. He wanted something new. Yeah. Right. Right. And but, then in Tales of the Jedi, it shows the same thing. He was totally fed up with the way the uh, Republic works. So let's get rid of the Republic and restart. But Dooku, yeah, Dooku, but Dooku, uh, Dooku saw himself as the one to do that. Yeah, yeah. Dooku saw what was wrong with both the Jedi, and we saw what was wrong with the Republic. Yeah, he oh, saw yeah. Oh yeah, he wanted a he wanted a clean slate and restart. So Palpatine had no problem with Dooku because he's not going after Palpatine's power. But yeah, and the, because the, exactly because the difference between Palpatine and Dooku is Dooku wants just wants a new system a new way of doing things because he sees that the way things are going isn't working right but palpatine, palpatine from the inside palpatine wants it all for himself yeah palpatine sidious it's full power trip mm-hmm. who is the prime example of what a moderate is <laughs> <laughs> yeah actually <laughs> all right on that note that'll do it for our good our bad and our nitpicky so let's get into a little uh section that uh, was originated from Ken, which I really like, and that is, uh, did we actually pick up anything on this rewatch that we hadn't noticed before? And we'll start with you, Dario. Mm, I don't think I picked up anything. I mean, I kind of went through and was like, I, I had, I had, when the first time I saw this, I was like, a lot of these background characters to me were just throwaways. Mm. And after having watched all of Clone Wars, the cartoon, I'm like, oh yeah, you know, this is uh this is this character, this is this character. A lot of these guys I, I forgot they were even portrayed in live action. I thought they were just invented for Clone Wars. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, but generally I didn't th- I don't think I picked up anything new. Hmm, nice. How about you, Ken? Mine was one that has always been there, always staring us in the face, and it just it, for some reason it clicked in my head this time, realizing that at the beginning of this movie, the there is no separatist union yet. No one has left the Republic when this starts. Correct. Hmm. Everything's still Tri-Federation. The original, right. uh, well, they're yeah, they're planning it. They're threatening it. They're planning. They're uh, making plans to um, leave the Republic or threatening to leave the Republic, but no one had done it yet. Right. I think yeah, by the end, like, you finally have a couple that decided, okay, let's do it. That's the treaty, yeah. I think, that um, Dooku's having people sign is them leaving the Republic. But until that happens, no one has left the Republic. Right. right. Hmm. That whole scene I just mentioned with all those, with all those the bankers union and the the, the techno people and all those guys are all like, okay, we're with you, Dooku. We're with you, Dooku. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the we see the, we, we see the finalization of the separatist union, but it, it's, it's still in the final stages at the beginning of this. Yeah. Right. And it's why the army is needed. Why Mace Windu makes the, and Yoda make the comment of we're going to need this because we can't use the force to control it anymore. Mm-hmm. It's beyond our control. Well, then also there's not enough Jedi. Yeah. And actually, um, I, like I said, I'm listening through Outbound Flight now. Um, we got preview copies of it, um, of the audio book, because I, I didn't even realize that's not out yet. The um, audio books that we just got. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, listening through that, it's like they do point out a lot in there because that takes place about right dead center between Phantom Menace and um, Attack of the Clones. But their point, I mean, it's not canon anymore. It's legends. But even then, they were talking about how there wasn't enough Jedi to do what they want to do with what was coming. Right. There is one thing that you just, Ken, you just reminded me that I did pick up from this is that there's a, there's a, a scene where Yoda's talking to 
both Mace and Obi-Wan, I think, about how um, uh, overconfidence is becoming more and more prevalent. Yes. And 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 not you know in all the young Jedi, and he's starting to see it in the older Jedi too now. Mm. Where before it was like, you know, obviously the Jedi were probably more wise and and focused on that. He goes, but now they stay. All the Jedi are like they feel like they're unstoppable. So and that I picked up on. So mm, nice. All right, Mike, did you pick up on anything new this time? Or- um, for me, the the thing I got new, it, it, it was almost a, like almost felt like either a plot point error or a continuity error is the whole sequence that leads to the chasing of the chase sequence of, of Zam, mm. the, the probe droid or the whatever droid drops the two centipede creatures. Mm-hmm. Well, prior to Anakin mentions R 2s in the room and will alert us. If anything happens, we see these drop right through the beams. No, if you actually look, it falls because it shows the beams that, uh, against the wall. It actually falls be- into two black blank spots. It's convenient, but it's the that's probably the way they do that. It actually fell between the beams. I do, I know it's just a hand wavy thing. That, that's what that's, they did. <laughs> this could have been a nitpicky. Yeah, but it wasn't until. But for me, this was more. This is what I caught this time. Right. Especially when we've seen R two in patrol mode in the pet that wouldn't have gotten past him. Mm. Why did it get past him now? Very stealthy bugs. Very stealthy. Yeah. Well, Very also, stealthy. what you gotta think is um, when this probe droid thing goes, it cuts the glass and all that stuff and it made no noise at all. Right. Yeah. Well, well, that, that, that I could potentially see, but the, the impact of mind you, it, we're, we're talking a droid that's going to have the sensitivity didn't feel or hear a slight thud of those because there was some mass to those. Oh bugs. yeah, definitely right. Didn't didn't feel or or hear those before they got on the bed. Come on, he was sleepy. <laughs> they made a helium. Yeah, <laughs> apparently so. Yeah, that's one of those things where you just gotta accept it and move on. It, it, and then the other thing I caught was you know there's a whole thing, Anakin you. You are not that in tuned. No, all of a sudden they're both in tune to the room. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Their spider sense went off. Yeah, yeah exactly. So it, it was that. I mean, that part of it I caught, but it, that scene is the scene I always tend to find more and more each time I watch it. That that I catch just something else new, and I don't know why it's that specific scene <laughs> that. Or sequence that I, I I start getting oh there's even more details that I I miss that I'm catching uh, and I think I think part of it is I I think there's either a, a plot or a continuity flaw in that sequence. Hmm. Interesting. And that's why I keep going to it. It's like okay, where is the next thing that I'm missing that well continues to back up my if my and when I ever decide to watch this one again, I'll have to pay attention to that. <laughs> Guess what he's doing after the show, folks? No, <laughs> <laughs> I've had enough. He may fast now. forward to that scene, and that's it. Yeah, exactly. Um, <clears throat> so before I get into my new thing, I did want to bring up one thing I forgot about, and one thing I love that came out of this movie was the uh, uh, the you know when Obi Wan was chasing Jango Fett 
through space and he kept shooting the mines out. Yeah. Yeah. And just that, I just love the way they did that. It was so cool. Yeah, it was really good. I love it. Have you guys noticed on Disney Plus the whole concussion bombs that Django drops? It does not translate as well through through streaming as if you were to watch it on your Blu-ray or DVD or even when you watch it on TNT. Hmm. I don't know. I I thought thought it was fine. I watched. Yeah, I watched it on Disney Plus today. Great. Now it, it, another thing I got to go check. <laughs> it, it, it to me because we were watching it and it just felt like the the low end hmm. was just it was underwhelming from all that. I just remember in the theater how cool that sounded. Oh, <laughs> I almost felt like I was pushed back in my seat. Yeah, like, that was amazing. Yeah, yeah, this is great. <laughs> but if you go on Disney Plus under extras for this movie. They have the documentary. Um, films don't are are uh, films aren't finished. They're the escape or something like that. Oh, and yeah. it's all about the sound design for episode two. And Ben Burt talks about uh, creating that sound effect. And the reason yeah. he did that instead of a normal um, sound effects. Nice. Oh, an audio black hole. Oh, yeah, yeah. An audio black hole. Yeah, it was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it was. All right, so um, um, getting into what I picked up. Well, it's not something exactly new that I picked up uh, on this watching. But what it is, is now that... Um, now that we've seen and read things and, and gotten more into uh, the character of Count Dooku, uh, seeing his scenes and, and uh, like hearing when he's talking to Obi-Wan when he had him captured and stuff there, it, I see it in a new, kind of a new light in a way. I see him different because I used to, back, back in when I was younger, in my younger days, when I first saw this uh, this movie, I kind of thought he was like a pawn or something um, of Darcy. Yeah, I, I, really. was, I was not a big Dooku fan. Yeah, but now that I know more about Dooku and his ways, I find it more interesting now watching him. Yeah, uh, I I agree with you on this, and, and we've talked about this on Wookie Radio. I was not a big Dooku fan, and what changed it for me was Dooku Jedi Lost. Right. That really opened up my eyes, and that really said, you know, I Dooku's probably one of the most underrated characters in Star Wars. I would agree with that. He's he's definitely got and, deeper layers than people realize. I yeah, think. and and after so I don't know what. Um, oh, I just drawn a blank on his name. Who, Christopher Lee? No, writer of Dooku Jedi Lost. Oh, and I had a, not interviewed him on Wookie Radio because of time difference. Y'all weren't available. I say one thing I re- while you're thinking about that one thing about Dooku the the one thing I think my favorite scene and it's a Christopher Lee thing really it's the way he acted it when he first walks into the room with Obi-Wan and I, I it's just always loved the way he patronizes him like Obi-Wan what are you doing oh I got to do something about getting you his and he's like <laughs> oh, yeah but you know he's just messing with him saying oh I got this is a, a travesty we got to get you freed and <laughs> And Kevin always Scott. like what? Yeah. And he's like, oh, well, yeah. Yeah, that was Kevin, Kevin Scott. Scott. Yeah. yeah. I am curious to know. Now I now I actually need to go back and listen to the interview with him <laughs> to see if I actually did bring this up or broach this topic. Um, but I, I would love to know the backstory he came up with. It was a reference from character development that lucas had initially mm. 
or was this something that potentially Filoni guided him through? Who who was with Dooku? I think very close to knowing what George wanted with Dooku. Um, this absolutely, I I have so much more respect for Dooku now. That's why I own both of his legacy sabers from from the parks. <laughs> That's cool. And and the reason why I went after them initially, I wasn't going to go after just the Dooku Tyrannus saber until they announced. Oh no, we're doing the Jedi saber from Tales of the Jedi as well. I'm like, all right, I'm getting both <laughs> the, the Jedi and the Sith. Um, and between the two, I actually like his Jedi saber better than his Sith saber. Hmm. Um, Interesting. I I will have to take pictures again and and post it up on social media with the with the two side by side so Big people can see the difference. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's it's just amazing. But yeah, I. Do I? I am so glad they're doing a Dooku vintage, vintage collection figure, and I'm I'm trying to find a black the black series Dooku, um, because I I, I want that. He, he's just one. I I just yeah, and I I think too with Phantom Menace, we also see more with Plo Koon, mm-hmm. and that's someone I still want to know more about. Yeah, yeah. Well, they do a lot with him in Clone Wars. I say in Clone Wars because they know a lot more about him. Yeah, but it's there's still there's still story missing. Well, yeah, because he's not one of the main store characters of Star Wars. You gotta have some mystery in the relationship. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I think you let your Anakin and Padme. Then you need no relationship in the relationship. No, yeah, <laughs> no relationship in the relationship. <laughs> but I, I'm so curious to know. But but I, but I think there still needs to be more backstory with with Plo Koon because he he's the next one, you know, outside of Dooku. I would think I'm hoping with Tales of the Jedi season two, Plo Koon and Windu are are focus are major focuses. Oh yeah, that would be yeah. Nice. I think yeah. they're the two that That'd need the good. stories backstories told even more. Yeah. I think yeah. more based than um than um Plo Koon. No. Until Clone Wars, Plo Koon only had maybe three or four minutes of screen time. But I want yeah. I want to know why Plo Koon felt he needed to turn his back on Ahsoka. See, yeah. like I said, until you get to the Clone Wars series, you don't know any of that because Ahsoka doesn't come in until uh, Clone Wars. Right. There, Yeah, there was no Ahsoka until Clone so Wars. Plo Koon. Right. That's like um, uh, Mara Jade's backstory. Without Luke Skywalker, there's no Mara Jade. Right. Without or Ahsoka, there's really no reason to have anything about Plo Koon mm. because he's just he's an ancillary, just one of the general Jedi that are on the council, one of the other ones that are sitting there. Yeah, but between the three films, Plo Koon is front and center enough. We know a bit, even though we never hear him talk, we know a bit about who he is, but there's still that mystery about him. I think Plo Koon is that Boba Fett of the Jedi Council. Maybe. Depends on how many people actually care. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, I do because I have his lightsaber as well. <laughs> cool. I ain't just showing off my. <laughs> yeah, sure. Now, showing off is saying I didn't pay full price for any of them. <laughs> See, we already knew that. Yeah. I did not get cast disc. Uh, uh, two of them I got cast discount yeah. on. All the others I got them at at normal sale price. <laughs> when, when, when they were running the normal sale on the sabers. All right. So. That's our coverage of episode two 
Attack of the Clones. Um, not everybody's favorite movie. Some people's, perhaps, but not everybody's. That's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, but before we sign off, is there any other things we wish to talk about at the moment? Any news items or anything or anything big that you guys might have heard or seen or? Not for me. Uh, I could talk Doctor Who, but <laughs> you guys already did that. <laughs> yeah. Wrong episode. Well, um, apparently, apparently on StarWars.com, there's a recipe for blue milk eggnog. Ooh, that's intriguing. Does it require blue eggs? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I haven't read it. I just saw that it's there. Aren't I think Robin, it's got blue eggs? Is it Robin's eggs? I think that are blue. So there you well, go. even I've had a blue chicken and chicken's egg. Well, not like not like bright blue, but the blue tint. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just the shells from regular chickens. They can be colored sometimes. So. Mm. All right. So, oh. There's they they say the recipe, the, the ingredients is two cups whole milk, one cinnamon stick, one star anise, five whole cloves, four large yolk, egg yolks, half cup of granulated sugar, quarter cup brown sugar, two teaspoons vanilla extract, one can coconut milk. Well, we're going to drop the coconut milk in my family because Melissa's allergic. Um, blue, food, blue food coloring. Half teaspoon cinnamon, one eighth t- teaspoon of ground nutmeg. Does it say how much that makes? Um, must be uh, quite a bit. Uh, it does. Not really. Maybe. Uh, maybe four. No, or five it doesn't. Maybe yeah, but that's not like one little couple of eggnog. <laughs> but the cool, the cool thing is the the, the mugs that they showed that this is in almost looks like geeky tikis. <laughs> they are the geeky tikis. <laughs> as as I was stated, they're they're in geeky tikis. There you go. <laughs> How much booze do you add to that? Actually, that's the Max Rebo band. If you look, that's to taste. <laughs> it, yeah, that is the Max Rebo band. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Max Rebo is an unsung hero of the Star Wars universe. <laughs> yes, Max Rebo. Max Rebo. Hey, if you if you read um, Return of the Jedi from a certain point of view, you get more story on Max Rebo. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. I also love um, in the Max Rebo band, you get, of course, you know, Size Snoodles, a singer, and then you get Droopy McCool. <laughs> <laughs> one, one of the, one of the, it fits him, but it's not exactly a mo- the, one of the most Star Wars names I've ever heard. <laughs> Droopy McCool. Yeah. I want to see a battle of bands between them and Dr. Teeth and his band. <laughs> I just want to see the second season of their show. I, I, I think the panel should be the friggin' Dan and the module nodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't yeah, but they're more of just like a groove um, background music band. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why they should be the judges. The panel judges. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nice. Oh, I see a new episode coming up. <laughs> 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 all right, but on that note, I guess that'll do it for us. Uh, thank you all for listening. We really do appreciate it. And thank you, my Jedi Council, for joining me once again. Uh, even though it might have been a little painful for some, but <laughs> scruffy looking. <laughs> um. So, but until next time, uh, good night, everybody, and uh, may the Force be with you all. Thank you, guys.
Yeah.